Welcome back, friends. We are excited to bring you Shuttlepot at the Disco Season 2, Episode 14, the finale. And we are in, we are encountering this with some mixed feelings. One of those feelings is sweetness. The other feeling is sorrow. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm your host, Jared. I'm here with my friend, Kayla. Hey, everybody. And my friend, Matt. Hey, guys. And we uh, have uh, all seen this episode. We're all ready to talk about it. We assume, if you're listening to this, that you've seen it too. But just in case, we're going to give an overview of the episode, Such Sweet Sorrow Part 2. Written by Michelle Paradise and Jenny Lumet and Alex Kurtzman. Directed by Olatunde Usunsanmi. And Kayla, just to make sure everyone's on the same page, could you please give us an episode synopsis in your best fake radio voice you can do <laughs> gladly the uss discovery battles against control in a fight not only for their lives but for the future with a little help from some unexpected friends spock and burnham discern vital new connections between the red signals while burnham faces one of life's harshest truths the right decisions are often the hardest to make mm. mm-hmm. that's a good harry potter lesson there you know that's like something dumbledore would say in book one or two <laughs> totally <laughs> anyway i'm sorry okay general reactions matthew what was your general reaction to the episode uh well um i liked it as far as just like something to watch and just be carried away with it's very intense it was quite something like uh high production values all around of course something we've come to expect in season two but you can tell they tried really hard with this episode, like really, you know, spent the last of their money for the season with this stuff. Um, I liked a lot of it, but, you know, a lot of it's just sort of there to move a certain target forward. And we'll talk about that. <laughs> oh, OK. You know, certain targets, certain, you know, plot targets, like mm, plot okay. forward, basically. Yeah. Kayla, what did you think? I think there are so many layers to you know, emotional, intellectual, etc. <laughs> to my reaction to this episode. So I think the only way I can describe it is like a sped up reenactment of my reactions. <laughs> so it'd be so- <laughs> it'd be something like, okay, we're back in the game. You know, uh, control is here. Something big is going to happen. Oh, cool, big space battles. Wow, they spent a ton of money on this, and the visuals are absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. Like, actually. Said that out loud a couple times. Yeah. Um, okay, some stuff with Red Angel, blah, 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 moving plot points along. along. That whole thing with the um, torpedo is kind of weird, blah, blah, blah. The end, I have a lot of questions about what's kind of happening towards the wrap-up. I'm a little bit confused, but I'm still kind of on the edge of my seat, hoping that they're going to do something really cool at the end. Mm-hmm. They make it to the end, and then there was, like, this weird, like, epilogue where it, things just get completely confusing and upsetting. Yes. It seems like they're setting up a different TV show besides the one you've been watching for the last a- year. Absolutely. Now. Yes. Yeah. So I can't give you like a one word, I liked it, or what, you know, it's just, it's all those things. Yeah. And I think that we have to, we'll go through this and dissect each of those points. Yeah. So let, let me add my voice to yours. This episode was breathtaking. I was watching this and thinking this battle scene is more detailed and more impressive than anything they even did in the Kelvinverse movies. Yeah, that I think was so, incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I agree. The, yeah. the amount of explosions and excitement and 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 sense of doing something different, right? Because with the TNG stuff, really all they could do was have two ships stand next to each other. It's still 
and shoot each other, and then Captain Picard would give a speech. They really couldn't do much. With Voyager and Deep Space Nine, technology got a little better. They could do a little more fancy stuff. And then with this, it's just amazing. Wonderful work. I'm continually impressed with the level of, of the, the money that CBS is willing to dedicate to this and the craftsmanship of the people behind the scenes who do the special effects. And, and the thing I kept thinking is, this show deserves to be nominated for an Emmy for whatever visual effects or whatever it can get, cinematography. But I know it's not going to be because there are other more prestigious genre fiction shows like Game of Thrones or Westworld yep, that is going to get the kind of nominations mm -hmm. that Discovery deserves. Right. Hmm. So, so that kind of uh, annoyed me. So whatever. So we'll, we'll give our first um, uh, Shuttle Potty Award for an outstanding achievement in the field of visual excellence to this episode of Discovery. Right. Yeah, particularly the scenes with the Red Angel suit um, and oh, Michael yeah. sort of warp, quote unquote, warping, you know, from yeah. place to place were just, like you said, breathtaking. Yeah, it, even better than that one sequence in Star Trek Into Darkness where Kirk and John Harrison are are sort of skydiving through yes. space, remember? Yeah. That's what I thought of too though, is it's obviously okay. yeah. inspired. Very similar. In the same way. But this this was this was even even more even more well done. Yeah. Even, mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Okay, so the big battle. We had a lot of drones and shuttles and little fighter pods. And like I say, we didn't we didn't really have that kind of thing in in the Berman era TV show. How do we feel about having little fighter pods more like Star Wars in our Star Trek? Do we like this? Is it like chocolate and peanut butter or did it feel a little out of place? You know, I'm of two minds about it. Like, I don't mind it. It actually seems like that would be somewhat more realistic that there would be, yeah. you know, smaller yeah. craft involved. But mm -hmm. of course, that's also a, tr a hallmark of that other franchise. So it's hard for me to be like totally on board with it. You know, like mm -hmm. it feels a little off to me. But at the same time, I, I liked it okay. I liked some of the stuff, you know, I liked the little fighter pods that they had. Like I, The design was kind of like retro and cool. Um, mm. Seemed about right. Now there's other practical questions, which is like, how the hell were all these things in the on the shuttle bays of like these two ships? <laughs> Suddenly the both the Enterprise and the Discovery shuttle bays are like massive, apparently. Uh-huh. There's like tons of them. Like, where did these all come from? But whatever. That's not really a new new problem <laughs> it's kind no, of no why don't you why don't we also ask a, a message and send it back 20 25 years about how voyager kept getting new shuttlecraft every it's, week exactly right yeah it's the same kind of thing <laughs> so you just okay, have to go whatever and look overlook it you know sure sure um <clears throat> and for something like that the most important thing is for it to be thrilling not logical and like we've, we've gone on at length that is was thrilling i will say the thing that really pulled me out of it was not the fighter pods that seemed a little more um, like they belong a little bit more in that other franchise. I think I, think I know what you're going to say. The, the R2-D2s that appeared out of <laughs> yes. nowhere. Yeah. Oh my Holy yep. crap. And they even looked like little cartoons. They did. Like they looked yeah. like straight they look, out of they the, the, the Star Wars prequels. Retro. Yeah, they do. Yeah, it was, really it was like that It was like that was scene in dumb. The Phantom Menace when they're running the, the blockade off Naboo and they send these little droids out and the Trade Federation keeps blowing them off. Yep. I just said, how, how did no one say, wait, we, we can't do this. We can't do anything that feels like the prequels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, I know. The other thing about it all that weird. is there's a massive problem with showing us that and then having Cornwell basically sacrifice herself. Uh-huh. Well, th there are drones. I mean, we're sort of skipping ahead, but since we yep. talked about it, 
Um, you just showed us the existence of these little drones that totally mm-hmm. grip things, by the way. We saw them. They have little, like, three-pronged gripping, like, hands. Mm-hmm. You can't send a drone in to grip the release. Mm-hmm. So many problems with that, though. Yeah. Yep. And that, you know, that 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 is only one of the problems with the Cornwall thing, which we'll get to. Exactly. exactly. Well, well, yeah, exactly. When we get there, we'll touch on it. But there's one just right now. We just that's a really we good just point. Saw though, honestly, freaking, I didn't even think of that. We just saw the freaking tech to get around this problem. Like uh-huh. we just like like five minutes before they showed us this tech. And it's right, like... and they and they invented. <laughs> it's not like that tech was a pre-existing thing that they forgot to explain away. Like they literally introduced it yeah. and then didn't use. Yeah, it. they're like, yeah. oh, deploy the dot sevens, and then they just kind of uh-huh. like bop around. It's like, okay, cool. And, you know, that part at least makes sense that, like, look, there's no way that, like, and, and realistically, that's probably how ships are fixing themselves for the most part. Like, let's be real. You know, they talk about that when we don't really see the nuts and bolts of how ships are fixed on the fly anywhere in Star Trek really sure. very well. Like, they don't yeah. really focus on it. Like, it just happens. So, mm-hmm. especially given, you know, our own sort of modern day ideas of drones and you know independent little robots like it certainly makes sense that okay if we're going to revise you know trek tech that there's service drones out there um but yeah (laughs) sure that's okay but then if you're going to show us that there's logical things that need to happen with it you know yeah it also they kind of reminded me of that episode of tng with the exocomps yes. Do you remember that yes the little <laughs> yeah. the little mm-hmm. robots who data had a, made a principled stand for yep yep sure oh. anyway okay so anything else on the our invention of r2d2s in to star trek <laughs> No. No, because I'm too anxious to move on. Okay. All right. Well, let's move on to uh, a piece of technology which seemed less like it belonged to Star Wars and more like it like, was invented by Iron Man. Yeah. And that is the Red <laughs> Angel suit. It's a little little Ant Man, oh, little Ant Man, a little Iron Man, a little whatever. Uh, like all uh-huh. one. Certainly Marvel. Yeah, very Marvel. Certainly, yeah. certainly, yeah. Al- along with with um, big thematic angel wings that didn't seem to make any sense why they needed them. I mean, yeah. why did she need angels wings? Who knows? Something okay. about the distribution of electromagnetic yeah, exa- fields exactly. and chronoton it, particles it, it, and blah. Exactly. <laughs> it, it broadcasts whatever you need to open a wormhole, whatever, yada, yada. Yeah. yeah. They don't, cool. See, they don't even explain it. They don't even care. It's just... But that one doesn't bother me too much because I know that they could easily yeah, explain exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. There's some cool. easy tech the tech thing for it that they can throw yeah. out there. I will say I love the sequence where they were building it and they had like they were like this futuristic 3D printing kind of thing. Yeah, that was I thought cool. that was done really well. Really it was really really fun to see that. And it wasn't just you know like there's that sequence um when Picard uh, is beaming down in first contact and he says computer replicate period appropriate clothes and then they're just in clothes. Uh, I thought this was cool to see them actually constructing something. In, mm-hmm. in, and 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 everyone's involved in running around and shouting instructions and stressed out and so I enjoyed that. I like that, uh, particularly with this example, because we, we, whenever they need to make something really quick, it just, like you say, it just happens. And more than even just replicating clothes, they have to build something, blah, 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 they're able to just make it and then they have yeah, it. They just, they just yeah. do it off screen in like two minutes and they're like, here you go. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And particularly with this example, and we talked about this on the shuttle pod last week, they're like, oh, we'll just build a new suit. And then they proceed to just, just do it. Go build yeah. one in like. What at the t- at last episode it seemed like they had already really built it within like an hour basically, um, yeah. But they were still working on it, so it was nice that they, again, like particularly with this example where 
it's so unbelievable that they could make this thing in the amount of time that they had. Yeah, this thing that's essentially a very exotic tech at this point. Like, but really? That we can no do one that? knows how to use, yeah. and all they have is like some schematics, which, you know, we, we talked about this last week about why, why this just is, is really a suspension of dis- disbelief. And so I did appreciate that they spent a good amount of time trying to get the point across that oh yeah we we get it this is like a really tough thing to do and the only reason we could do it is because like people on discovery are the best and brightest and blah blah so at sure. least you know i still kind of don't buy that yeah, they could there, do there's it there's another but aspect that i think that bothers me about not just the fabrication part but is that but is that so they fabricate it successfully now they have to bring this advanced suit like online and basically like test it like burnham should have been in there testing the interface testing like the computer systems on it like they don't know how this works and instead she jumps into it and like immediately everything's fine and it works like just as planned like realistically you would be debugging things you know what i mean you'd be like trying to figure out the rest of not just the physical part but like the computer systems right and things but like that's that. again why it's so unbelievable that they could make this exactly like there should have been yeah i mean for example, Burnham should have had like an unsuccessful test or something to add to the drama too, right? And then like, oh shit, mm. we gotta recalibrate or, something. You know, or... I kind of wish they had made it kludgier, honestly. Like, I wish when she got into Wait, it, what does that term mean? Like, what does kludgier mean? Kludgy, yeah. like, um, like jerry rigged, yeah. like not put like, together like super well. Oh, like, okay. So like looking less together, like, together, was, together. Yeah. like yeah. less like it was Iron Man then. Yeah, exactly. Like more yeah, like, so hey, like, we had to like, make this quickly. It's not perfect. Yeah. Like they could have done things like, oh, we can like retrofit a um, like a, one of the spacesuits for the suit part, uh-huh. and then we can use these other components from the ship for these pieces. And I wanted it to her to get into this thing and have it be like she's putting on this like Frankenstein yeah. like piece of to, trash. To go back to the Iron know? Man uh, analogy, it should have been more like his first suit when he was busting out of yeah, the exactly. yeah the, yeah the prison oh, okay the very East. good yeah very good yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, were you? So there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So there you go. But yeah, I I agree. It it, it was just too perfect. And it's like, come on. That's the whole point. Give us us something. Like, that's the thing is like, you know, so many of the problems with this episode and so many of the problems with the whole, this whole series has been the failure to exploit these little details Mm -hmm. and like the focus on on and i'm only even mentioning that because it's so germane i think to this episode but there's so much focus on these um complex storyline segments and complex plot points and trying to weave some of them together in ways that sort of make sense instead of like Mm -hmm. having a moment they could like how much more real would it have been if they had done that with the suit and you know i use that i think it's a great example but i think there's a lot of there's a lot of examples of this throughout this episode where it's like you could have stopped and thought about this scene and like how they got to this point and what it would like put yourself in the character's shoes. I feel like they haven't done that here. There's a level of, there's a level of like realism about just like things aren't perfect. You have to test things. You have to try things. You know, there's a level of things just like, of realism that's like missing from this you know yeah and i get that they needed to the plot needed to have a suit and it needed to be built within two hours and it needed to be able to work i get it and that's a hard sell already off the bat and i get that and i'll give them that but i just feel like there could have been a more like a there could have been a more creative touch yeah put on it yeah. to make you to sort of be like hey we know this is a stretch but like you know 
so that that they can sort of hand wave away any of the concerns. Well, how did they build that thing so quickly? Oh, well, they had these parts laying around and they, they like fit them together and made this like thing. Yep. And yeah, it's just. Yep. Ugh. And, and let's do, just do point guys... out that this is the longest episode uh, in runtime by a few minutes. It's the longest episode ever of Discovery by like a couple minutes. So this was this episode oh, was like 64 minutes long. So yeah. it beats Brother was 61 minutes long. And this so this beats it by a few minutes. And so it's like, look, you had a full, solid 60 minutes of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Make... It's the longest Star Trek episode ever. Yeah, so, so I... allow it to have this, like, you can have these kind of moments in there if you do it right. You know, like, if you pace it. Like, anyway. Okay, so can I give my theory for why I think they didn't have enough time to do that kind of thing adequately? Mm-hmm. Sure. It's because there are too many characters, and they tried to have too many weighty emotional moments for too many of them. Yes. Right? Agreed. And... It's particularly at the very end and we can get to that in the end yeah. but it was it was a little too busy and when you have too much in there you're trying to do then you sometimes you can't adequately service the stuff you need right agreed right. agreed i think it's much too busy and complex but i think even within the context of this story you replace lines of dialogue so instead of and you do two things at once so when you're showing stamets there's a scene in where they're, they're throwing together the suit and stamets kind of like yells at a guy but in his way, you know, and like says, oh, no, don't do that. Do this instead, blah, blah, blah. Like, what are you doing? And yep. it's supposed to show his, like, rough side. They could have done that, except for have the dialogue be explaining about something having to do with them using a new a component, the retrofitting Agreed. a component that they Agreed. had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I think there are ways to have to have substituted dialogue while still carrying out yeah. the, yeah, mil- one million moments that they, yeah. that they had. To. Actually, mm-hmm. and in fact, the, in fact, that's a really good point. Like that specific di- line of dialogue is a great substitution because actually as it stands now, he comes off as a real prick and not like the lovable, like kind of gruff Samets. If you go back and watch that, he mostly just comes off as an asshole and it's not hmm. like, it's not good. Like that's not the good kind of like character development we want. And, and I think it would have helped right there if you would, if you would put something just like, like you said, Kayla, the exact suggestion I think would have tempered that. And I think it would have changed it to be, no, these are really busy, like, you know, anxious, busy, like professionals that are trying to get something done and it's, you know, hacked together and it's not working and that you can understand, you know what I mean? Like, instead of just like, Oh, he's just being bitchy because that's what it comes off as. Yeah. So. Uh, the little, little things that it could have made this better honestly yeah something i kept thinking you know i, I went I, we went off about how great the visual effects were is i felt i felt sad that um the writing maybe wasn't worthy of it yeah they just had so much to do in this yeah and, and one of the things they had to do to segue gracefully is they had to reintroduce this character we met in short treks mm-hmm. poe who steals a shuttle but with her great craftiness she she has figured out how to um, beat Section Thirty One, the Section Thirty One ship's uh, evil refractive lattice shield design, so they can come up with a plan to disable them. So, what did we think about Poe's involvement in this? Well, so that makes sense, kind of. I mean, she's supposed to be this like, you know, rogue genius. So, what the heck? Sure, they can have her do that because somebody has to figure this out, right? Like, somebody's got to sort of go, "Oh, here's some techno babble." to why the section 31 ships are not being defeated easily and this goes back to they got to service people right like so at least this in this case this kind of services a guest character eh, decently right like it's yeah. not too bad 
Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I, I liked Poe's involvement in the whole thing, actually, because I really liked the tie-in of that short track. Um, and so I liked that they were able to use her. And, um, and, and, and she's charming, too. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Um, I don't, I think the use of her in this case was, like you said, Matt, was appropriate. I kind of don't understand why they, that the, the Section 31 ships had to have something special like that. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. When, I mean, and, Maybe it's just because I'm the space battles are usually not my favorite part of the episode. So it's like in even in like, you know, TNG space battles and stuff, they're kind of it's hard for me to to care too much about like battle tactics because that's just my my personality, though. So. And, and the thing that TNG could do and I'm preaching to the choir here. But they could make not having a space battle more exciting than a space battle. Sure. Specifically, I'm thinking about the finale to the movie, not the movie, the episode. uh uh, the defector, when they've been lured into the Romulan neutral zone and they get ambushed by Tomalock, and Picard mm-hmm. just gives a little speech, and it is so amazing, and not a single shot is fired. Anyway, I suspect everyone who's listening to this likes TNG, so I'm not really adding anything, but that I think <laughs> illustrates, like you don't need to blow stuff up for it to be exciting. Sorry. Yeah. And, and, right. So I guess. End of speech. So I'm just. I guess I'm just saying. I'm sort of coming at it from that point of view. So maybe someone else sees like why that really lends to the drama of having them have this extra thing but honestly when when she said it i was like okay who cares move on please like let's get yeah i think it was there simply to show that ooh once again the section of the 31 ships have like advanced tech did did you know you know all right did you get whatever that's fine it's just it's i think it's simply for that inconsequential in the end it is i agree totally inconsequential again now we've serviced the poe character check you know like okay yeah, I was I was fine with it, but I, I guess a, a point to be made is, given our previous uh, conversation, is if they were struggling for time, mm-hmm. there's something to cut. Yeah. And something they couldn't cut, of course, was Michael being the center of the action when she gets in, finally gets in the Red Angel suit and she goes flying off to to create the wormhole and save the day. And there's a little moment that I reminded me of Galaxy Quest that Michael does before she gets in the Red Angel suit where she zips up her suit. And it reminded me, and it, per, it may not have been intentional, <laughs> it reminded me of when Tech Sergeant Chen is, yeah. it, you know what I'm talking about, where he's 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 all uh, discouraged and he thinks he can't do it, he's going to fail. And then he sees the, the beautiful alien and the music swells and he zips it up his suit all dramatically like now he's got the confidence to do it. So that gave mm-hmm. me that gave me a little smile. It may have been I love it. It may have not been intentional, but it's I still enjoyed it. Well, I think that's the whole point though, is that's a cliche of like action movies everywhere. So you know It's like rolling up your sleeves. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Or 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 Tom Cruise wearing putting on his his uh, glasses dramatically in Top Gun or something like that. <laughs> but it worked. That part worked for me. Okay. So then events start to unfold as Michael saw when she touched the time crystal. So it's kind of like she's seen the future, she's trying to avoid it, and now the future is happening. Yeah. So what well, Okay, um, can can I ask a couple of questions about this sequence? Yes. Which, which is the sequence of like Michael leaving the discovery and then going out. Yeah. Um and they do so again, the visuals it, it almost felt like the whole scene was set up for the visuals. Like they had this diagrammed out, they went to write it. Um, and instead of like thinking a little bit more critically about it, they just like wrote it because they had this visual in mind, which is, of course, and it was gorgeous, which is, of course, Michael flying out and then these ships all kind of circling around her in this like, like almost like helical 
spiral mm-hmm. to, uh-huh. to like cover her as she's traveling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it looked great. It looked really cool. And it, it really, the tension was there. Um, what I don't understand though, because Spock went with her yeah, in I, the shuttle. Yep. So to a couple of questions, why didn't she just go in the shuttle? Yep. 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 That's one big question. That, that, that was, <laughs> I was wondering that the whole time. Because and because there's a little thing. Why did he thing, go at all? Th- there's a little thing. Well, and if he had taken her there and dropped her off, then that would have explained why he went. That would have made sense. Because um, there's a there's a little thing uh, in combat called collateral damage, and if you have hundreds of ships shooting lasers at each other and there's explosions everywhere, and you, uh, and you have defensive shields, they're going to protect you from that collateral damage. But if you're just yeah. a a lady in a spaceship in a spacesuit you got nothing to protect you yep yep and we saw um shrapnel or whatever fly at her and she had to dodge it yeah Yeah. she she like flies back for a minute yeah Mm -hmm. so this whole time i'm having this duality in my mind of this looks really great and cool but why are they doing it yeah Yeah. there's no need for that no yeah so okay okay so we both had the same thought on that one yeah um (laughs) It just felt awkward the whole time too, with Spock being in the shuttle and her being there. Yeah. It's like, and then like they having this deep conversation. Yeah. And he's just like in the background in the shuttle, sitting. Uh huh. Yeah. It's just like it, it, it didn't make a lot of sense there because I think the logical thing to do would be to just shut up and focus on people not getting blown up. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. yeah. Lo- logic dictates that we must have a cathartic experience at the end of the season <laughs> to, to to justify my inclusion in it. Yes. Yes. Well. Yeah. Totally. Okay, is there anything else about that sequence we want to talk about before we go on to the uh, uh, the next bit, the next moment of drama? Well, I mean, I don't. That's the whole thing, though. That she's out, and of course, like when she goes out, Leland gets in, which is that whole. Oh, sure, because they have to drop the shields. Right, so they drop the shields for three seconds, which lets Leland, you know, get in, and so everything starts unfolding. You know, sort of the way that she was sort of had the you know the time crystal premonition in part one, and you know she's she's perched on that bit of debris and looks over at the enterprise and sees that there's a torpedo lodge everything is you know unfolding and that's when they have that sort of discussion with spock about well i thought i was changing things right like this shouldn't be unfolding the same way and they do the whole crazy timey wummy um you know paradox thing which is that this is actually the moment you know they, they figured that they got to safety and then she set off the burst or whatever and like nope this is this must be the moment, you know, when you set off the five bursts to prepare everyone for everything, kind of. And so then Michael has to jump back five times before they can basically move forward, <laughs> mm. which is interesting. Well, and then she, they, she got to to re- recap the season. Yeah, boy, did she. See, yeah. and again, like, this is where your 64-minute runtime went. We basically got to, like use it's a clip show for like what five solid minutes of it essentially Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i was surprised how long that went i actually to be honest really enjoyed the way they did this i I didn't i i don't mind the paradox at all to be honest Um, it wasn't bad but just again there's where some of your runtime went is they you know yeah I, i thought it was an interesting decision i like that they did it i thought I felt sort of anxious on their behalf because I know they're always fighting the clock mm-hmm. as writers on these series. But um, so it made me feel like they could have tightened it up a little bit. But to be honest, if they had the time, which I guess they did, 
I actually really enjoyed seeing it all over again. And it was nice because it was for me, because it was like, let's let's remind ourselves what each of the things were that have happened. And so that I, in my mind, like have this checklist of, yep, that makes sense. Yep, that makes sense. Yep. You know, all these things track. So I actually really liked that they did that. Oh, good. I, I also, again, it looked terrific. It kind of reminded me of the end of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yep. I don't know if, if that was intentional or not, but I thought it was beautiful. Her acting when she was inside the suit was really good, where I, I never felt like this is someone pretending to be in space. I just was lost in the moment that this is someone who's being catapulted through space and time, and she's really scared and nervous and all that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. So uh, kudos all the way around for the presentation. Yeah, it was very 2001. And then, it, and then it was also, in my mind, and this ties into something in, in, in a minute too, it was also very uh, interstellar, which is, of course, 2000, oh, heavily okay. influenced by 2001. Okay. So oh, that's, Chris, sure. that's a Christopher Nolan connection. We'll get back to another Christopher Nolan um, homage in a few minutes. <laughs> I want to point something out. But anyway, oh, so okay. yeah, I thought of interstellar a lot too. I mean, it's bit, you know mm-hmm. they have that same... Because um, now the Interstellar sort of modeled some of these black hole things, people have started to use that same style. Which, which uh-huh. as we know, we t- we talked about that in the television episode. They built a black hole that's very similar to the more accurate modeling that they started to use. So, anyway, so there's a little bit of that, and uh, I enjoyed that. Oh, good. Anything else on Michael before we go to our Kayla? Any Michael points? No, I think that's it for that scene. Okay. So then we have this phenomenon where a torpedo gets through the Enterprise, hits the Enterprise in the saucer section, but it doesn't explode. And so there's kind of a ticking time time bomb, literally, where they need to resolve this torpedo before it's able to go off uh, without the Enterprise having the benefit of its shields to protect it. So, and, and the number one and Cornwell are, are sort of the, the on point on taking care of this. So, how did, w- did we enjoy this sequence? Did we find it appropriately thrilling? Well, if you ignore the issues we already sort of talked about, it's pretty good. I actually, I liked that number one and Cornwell get a scene together. Because, duh, uh-huh. right? They should. Um, it was nice to see one. number one back because she hasn't been in the season very much. So no. I liked I like number one still still really underused. It's it's unfortunate. They barely use her even in this, which sucks. Um mm. should have. But you know you know why it doesn't work for me? Let's hear it. Because the entire time they're trying to figure out what to do with this thing. Mm-hmm. And I am unclear what the goal is or what the sort of restrictions are around what the solution is able to be. And by that yes. I'm yes. referring to what the ultimate solution is, um, which is of course basically let it blow up as long as this blast door thing is closed and the rest of the ship will be fine. Uh-huh. But they're saying if this thing blows up, you know, and that's, I don't, this is unbeknownst to me right before we get to that decision. And so they're saying if this thing goes, it's going to take out like half the ship. Yeah. So I'm sitting there thinking, what could they possibly, they're trying to reprogram it maybe to stop it from exploding. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe dislodge it somehow. Those are the only two options I can see. Yeah. And so, when it gets to this point where it's they're making it clear what's going to happen you know obviously everyone i'm sure was able to call yes when you see the manual release thing on the inside and the, the whole fact that she's even working on trying to get the door closed at all mm-hmm. honestly at first i'm like why is she doing that 
it shouldn't make a difference if a bulkhead is cl- and it wasn't even like a bulkhead it was like a no, door a with a window door. In it. yeah, yeah exactly. it's, it's sort of the uh 23rd century of duck and cover yeah so i was really confused the whole time and then with the resolution of it being that that was the solution completely ruined it for me hmm because it, you know, it, it's obviously problematic. It makes no sense. No. There's no realm of reality no. in which a door can stop. And, and Pike fr- and Pike can stand there like saluting her basically and watch her die. That's the and watching for it's yeah crazy a like for like dude, thirty that's seconds like yeah, pretty morbid for mm-hmm. one yeah. <laughs> um, can can I tell you what I thought the solution should have been? And maybe there was something that somebody said in a line of dialogue I missed, but I didn't figure. I couldn't figure out why no one said, "Hey, let's." Let's beam the torpedo away from us. No one said it. That's a good point. They should have thought right? of that. Because there's an episode of Voyager where Harry Kim literally beams a torpedo onto a Borg ship, right? Sure, yeah. So so I kept thinking, wh- why don't these people have Harry Kim? He could solve the problem for for them in an instant. Uh, so that that seemed like um, an why? artifice. Because, because the plot wants Cornwall to die it, in a brave it, sacrifice. That's exactly. Again, this is a moment where they have an end goal. They'd have the setup yep. and they haven't thought the in-between through. And yeah. when they sat down to write yeah. it, they didn't try to think it through. Instead, they said, how do we get from A to B? Not mm-hmm. how do we make this make sense? Right. Yep, exactly. And that's really frustrating. And, and that happens sometimes in movies that are adaptions of books is because there are scenes from the books that they need to to, to go through in order to service the plot. But they'll, they won't include some of the details from the book. Yeah. So so it kind of doesn't make sense what's happening. And um, Lord of the Rings, I'm looking at you. But that's not what this <laughs> sh- this is about. But, of course, this wasn't to, ne- to even to serve as a plot point. This was to kill a character that made sense to kill. Mm-hmm. Which, that's the only reason that this happened. Which right. then, you know, what that made me feel like, what that reminded me of was Game of Thrones. Because they've had so many characters, they've just been getting rid of them indiscriminately. Because... Yeah, uh, it's just they, they, you can tell the writers are like, okay, we have too many people. Who can we kill this episode? Right. Well, that's what I felt they were like, doing with oh, Cornwell. Exactly. This is one of those like, oh, she's a fan favorite, and like, we can't kill anyone else off. But to show the stakes are high, we've got to kill exactly. her somehow. And so, yep. so let that be a lesson to you, kids at home. Even if you get promoted to admiral, you can still be a red shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Cornwell. I like. I know. All right. I liked yeah, her too. Yeah, I was sad that she died because I love her character. Yeah. Well, and of and course, the this is one of those things where we're never going to see her again anyway, right? Like they've left yeah, her right, so, right. Nine hundred and thirty years so in the past. So weird. It made it so weird. Yeah. So that's one person to service, and then they have her go out, you know, in a blaze of glory, so to speak. Well, um, moving on from that. There was a cool action sequence where Leland, Giorgio, and Nan fight like they're in Inception. <laughs> Matt, what did, yeah. what, did, what did you think about that? Well, so there's our other Christopher Nolan connection, right? Is that they have this whole fight in a bit of a stage that's on a rotating gimbal, just yeah. like they did in Inception. I mean, as far from what I understand, they built it exactly the same way. It, it really did rotate on the, on the actors, like when they were there so they spent some good money yeah it looked that. it looked like they did when i was watching it i was it, like i think they built a rotating stage did, yeah which it is, looked which it looked great yeah it looked really good so they went all out for that so there's some more you know chris nolan inspired stuff as they went all mm-hmm. like there um which is, looks cool but of course just makes you wonder like why does this nearly like this uh almost infinitely regenerating ai meat, mm-hmm. meat sack <laughs> as they call them which by the way it gave me a chuckle um 
why does he even give a shit to engage these two like biologicals at all? Yeah, he doesn't. And it makes like, sense. What does it matter? Stun both yeah. of them and like move like stun them both because they're susceptible to stun because they still have a nervous system and just freaking do what you need, right? But instead, uh-huh. they yeah. get all kung fu-y, which look cool, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense. Made no, no sense. Wasted time. And, yep. Uh, just looked cool. Um, I like that Non was involved since she is the chief of security. Unfortunately, they gave poor Non really cheesy like eighties action movie hero lines in the middle of all this. I I, I noticed that as well. I, like I she's all like, wow, the one that was really not... bad. Oh my god! Yeah. She goes, oh yum yum, and it's like, what the hell? What that was so? Weird. No, 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 no. We uh, that that got uh, that got like uh, literally you know LOLs when that when that happened. It was like I'm gonna I can't even not laugh out loud at that. Like why was that there? <laughs> I had like a wide-eyed stare, like it was so awkward. <laughs> so I don't know why they did that. That did not come off the way they think they thought it would, you know. Like, yeah, there's other badass things you could have said. That was not one of them, you know. Like, well, it also wouldn't really make sense for Leland to uh, want to engage in banter. Would no, it? no, not at all. He doesn't care, and he even he even says like, "Women, stop talking." At some point, when he's all pissed. Oh yeah. That's um, right. When he's all tired of them, like, talking at him. And it's like, right. He doesn't care. He's an AI that's obsessed with, like, one target. What does uh-huh. he care? He doesn't care. So. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, but, you know, they're they're so proud that they have one of the greatest stars from Hong Kong martial arts films. And they want to get their yeah. money's worth out of her. And I Which can understand cool. that. Yeah. I can understand that. But in an episode with so much going on already... It kind of right. bogged it down. Yeah. Well, I and agree. especially because the end result is a, is essentially <laughs> a tech uh, problem. Like she 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 texts the tech and like ends it with magnetism again, kids. Which is like, oh, so if the, it, so that thing that they figured out like three episodes ago, they sure took their sweet time just doing that to him and ending it. Like they could have uh-huh. done that whenever, almost right. Like okay. Yeah. Also, like. I think that sets up a big hole. I guess we can discuss whether this is a hole or not. For me, it's a huge question, which is once they you know, are ready to go and they put Leland in the spore drive chamber thingy yeah. and magnetize him, he's basically, you know, quote unquote, dead. He's defeated. He is incapacitated. And when that happens, because he seems to be like the central sort of control node yes. for all of the for the ships and the little drones and everything. Yep. In the vicinity. So all of a sudden, those go dead. They've won the fight. And then at that point, I'm thinking, oh, okay, great. So you don't have to go into the future anymore. Yes. Because you've just defeated Control. So now the flip side of this, of course, is that this incarnation of Leland is like some arm of Control. That, you know, there's a centralized system or something somewhere else, and this is just, like, a piece of it. Well, no, that's the thing. They even closed that off because, in theory, the centralized part, they say they destroyed off screen between episodes. Uh, a couple episodes back, they, they make mention of it. So, in theory, in theory, Leland is the only thing that, that's left. Huh. Which... Well, and there are bits of it left, apparently, though, because at the end of the episode, 
the spooky admiral says that they um, purged whatever. Yeah, that they purged whatever was left. Yep. So okay, so here are the two problems. So it's that, even if totally. that's the case, yeah. so e, e, so a it, there are two options. One is Leland is the main part of control, and now that they've defeated him, there's no reason to go to the future. The second one is that Leland was not the main part of control, but once they killed him, it was apparently relatively easy for. Uh, Starfleet to go in and squash the rest of it because the Admiral's like, oh yeah, we purged the rest yeah, of it. Yeah. So in any event, there is now no longer a reason for them to go into the future. Yes, yes. And I've, se- <laughs> I've seen a lot of people arguing this online and I see a lot of people arguing on the other side saying, no, 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 that's just a piece of control. They didn't kill the whole thing. But to me, I can't escape that because because like I said, option B, even if they didn't kill all of control, Starfleet did it within a relatively short amount of time. Correct. So. There's no reason for the sacrifice of the discovery. And so what's what's very unfortunate to go back to the writers is, you know, the writers think this is clear. If you go read some interviews with these guys that have come up since the finale, they think it's totally clear why the discovery still had to go to the future. They don't think they have a problem with like the communication of this, like the reasons for going. Because so do they explain what the reason is? Yeah, they think the well, the reason is is just sort of like they'd alluded to a few times earlier in the season, is they also feel that they should remove the sphere data entirely because it's too tantalizing to anyone to get mm. their hands on. So they feel a need to remove what? it from the equation entirely. What? They kind of allude to that a few times here and there, but it's never made explicit. But this is the quote unquote reason why they keep going. Now, we all know the real world reason is they want to reset button and they want to go tell stories outside of the 23rd century so who gives a shit we're gonna break the fourth wall and we're gonna have them keep going that's the you know what i mean like that's the kind of the real reason but okay you're talking about fourth wall breaking can i can i tell you the moment that kind of made me groan and reminded me of a particularly egregious episode of the simpsons okay is uh did did you because you guys ever see that it's like 20 years old now you ever see that armin tamzarian episode oh Totally, it's totally. This, yeah, let us yeah. never Ar- speak of it Armin again. T- yeah, this never, never speak Armin of it again Tamzarian. under penalty of torture. And yes. that's their way of saying we want to do this ridiculous episode. We know it's ridiculous. We're just going to hit the reset button very vulgarly, right? Yes, totally. And that's that's what this is. They have turned Michael Burnham into a 23rd century Principal Skinner. Yes, absolutely. I've actually seen people bring that up, and I was like, oh my god, you're totally right. It's totally mm. that. Yes. <laughs> But, but, but so we're getting I definitely ahead of ourselves. Want to die. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, no. That's no, perfectly no, no. fine. But you mentioned we'll just... the break in the fourth wall. Salient, so salient point. Thank you. But there's a couple more points I think we just need to hit quickly before we get there. Um, which okay. I guess I kind of skipped ahead too because I was talking we, about. We did. We, we jumped a little bit. But All right. Back, so, right. so I guess the next thing is there anything else about the fight we want we wanted to to point out? No, just um, cool oh, fight, but but pointless. The one thing that's weird is how how is the main villain of this season. How is his nemesis, Giorgio, which is, I thought that was kind of weird. How is his main nemesis not, you know, Pike or... or well, it's, it should be Burnham. It's Burnham. Or Burnham. He's, so Burnham's yeah. Control has escape. identified yeah. Burnham as the, you know, one variable it can't compute. Right, sure. Um, because she is at the center of this, was tie, which actually tied in. Yeah, I, I, I will sense. give them that to the, to the whole story about her being the one who, who made the signals and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So she should be the nemesis. Exactly. Because the one thing that, she, that he can't predict, that he can't right. understand. And so instead of stop. him being like obsessed with maybe, you know, killing her while she's exposed in the suit, he is instead obsessed with the sphere data, which like you need both. Like, there's two pieces, right? He needs the sphere data, but like 
also since she's this x factor like he should be very concerned about eliminating her as well right sure and instead yes. she's just kind of off somewhere and i guess he hopes his drone ships take her out but he doesn't really care right like i guess uh-huh. and so then they leave it as a proxy to sort of giorgio as this proxy mother figure you know to like uh-huh it's, but it's not good like this is all things we're reading into it like it's you know what i mean like that's not well it's I, it's clear. dramatically unsatisfying if yeah. burnham is the hero of this show which she is and if control is the villain then that's who you know it's like it's like captain cisco needed to be the one to beat gold Dukat, right right it couldn't right. have just been like nog with a gun that would have been unsatisfying <laughs> that would have been so terrible yeah well, but that's the problem is, is here with this goes back to servicing people, right? We have to service Giorgio because in theory, we're going to give her her own spinoff in another season. Exa- yeah, exactly. So yeah. here we go. Like we have to service that. And uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And I just... can, can I point out again that she is in fact a mass murderer and kind yes. of a cannibal? Yes. Why? Oh. Yeah. This but is a problem. Her, her 180. It. Yeah. Her immediate 180 to being this caring, nice person who, or some kind of anti-hero or something. Yes. But no, yes. that's unbelievable. She's She was given to us, we talked about this a lot last season, yeah. she was given to us as like the most evil thing. Yeah. And then they made the, in my opinion, extremely wrong decision Terrible. of having her yeah. parade around as the authentic Giorgio. And from yeah. there, her story gets more and more convoluted because what they wanted was was prime Giorgio back sure that's who the, that's the character and, they're trying to get her back right, to yeah. that so person. clear that's where they're trying to move her back towards it's like okay that's and it's like you yeah. know what you screwed up by killing her in like the first two episodes yeah so like sorry you made that decision like you made your bed you can't bring that character sure. back by having an evil version of her come back that does not work that way no. and that is the wrong way to do it okay right. also in, oh sorry in my personal opinion. <laughs> uh, also, the Giorgio has not gone through any kind of repentance, right? No. She, no. she does not, not acknowledge that it was evil to be a mass murderer and a cannibal, right? No, she makes fucking jokes about it. Exactly. And Pike just winks it away. Yeah. Oh, haha, you're like an evil Terran emperor and you killed and, he's like, and, oh, e- and ate people. Oh, I, ha, oh, wink. I know. Wink. It's like, oh, okay. All right. Also, speaking of which, if that secret can't even be kept. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. There's there's space WikiLeaks that's all gonna get out, right, right. Okay, so uh, I know we keep trying to jump back to to talk about one other point, but I just realized another point as we were discussing this whole thing with why did they have to jump into the future? Because um, I think a lot of Discovery's problems, in particularly like culminating this episode, which they're trying to get away from by jumping to the future, are having written themselves into a corner. Yes, yes. several several corner? corners. They are so a, many corners. They're in a room like layers. They of are corners. in a room with four walls and five corners, and they're stuck in all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's, pretty much. That's it the does kind seem of paradox like they're in. Yeah, it does seem. It's like it's like MC Escher. Ah, nice. Love MC Escher. So yes. thank you. So this is really a corner that I I don't know how to solve. Um, they are either left with what we got, which is it doesn't make sense that they had to jump to the future, mm-hmm. or you're left with um, them not having to jump into the future because they've eliminated control, or you're left with them because the, the other the other thing that we would then in theory be asking for instead of that solution is to have them say say uh, Leland doesn't focus on getting the sphere data. He never goes over. They never have that fight scene. 
Instead, he's focused on trying to defeat, quote unquote, defeat Michael. And at the very end, you know, she's able to make it out and he's not able to get to her to stop her. So Discovery jumps into the future, leaving him behind. Oh, okay. This is a, this is a problem because now what? In terms of if you think, okay, this, the sphere data is gone, but you have this this nearly unbeatable already AI. It just mm-hmm. needed that little bit extra to become whatever fully sentient, I guess, or more sure. sentient than it already is like somehow. A, like a super feature. Yeah, yeah. But right now you already have this incredibly, this already sentient, incredibly intelligent AI. So now Starfleet is left to still defeat it. So you haven't sewn up the holes in canon because you're left with this AI that's still hell-bent on destroying sentient life for some reason. <laughs> he, he's the most evil creature in the galaxy for some reason. Right. But but again, so it's, it's another problem because you're still you're left with a massive loose end. Mm-hmm. All of which is better than if it turned out he was the Borg. Oh, yes. Thank goodness Agreed. they didn't Agreed. I just kind of thought through the scenario of what if they had done, had Leland had a, a different like, trajectory in this episode. And it made me realize the reason they didn't do that is because, because he has to be after the sphere data. And then, you're go, la- yeah. Then, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the only way they could have done it is if they somehow tied Discovery's jump to the future with his destruction. Which, like the, you know, like the, I thought oh, they were going to somehow I like that. figure that out. Yeah, I thought they were going like to do that. that somehow. Like that was the only way to blow him up was to to use the Omega-13 or whatever, and that would have catapulted them into the future, too. Yeah, or something, or, like, use something. I don't know. Well, use, yeah, uh, and they talk about you know, the as soon as crystal it... blowing out once they do it, so... Right, so it there's all, a, it's it all extraordinary, somehow. you know, release of energy that the moment that Discovery goes through the wormhole and that just, like, obliterates everything in the sector. Right. I don't know. Yes, but you see, even that would be more satisfactory, I think. It leaves... It destroys Leland for real, like, not just turns him into a pile of little nanites like which the by the way is now in the future yeah which is now in the future now in theory with the sphere data right in theory he's disabled but like disabled does not mean destroyed unless they like what go in there and vaporize them all now i guess which hopefully they do <laughs> like that's the next step you know so well they'll do that off screen at the beginning of season three they'll let us know that they took care of it i'm sure yeah um uh, hopefully yeah or they'll just drop it entirely. Because, again, they think it's clear. They consider control destroyed at this point in time. Mm. They, they, so they think this it's done. Like, So there you go. Okay, well, maybe what they need to do is they need to go into the future and they need to meet those aliens from Captain's Holiday who went back to Risa to get the Taksutat and really oh, yeah. tie it all together. Because <laughs> let me tell you, people really love those aliens and they want to see them back. <laughs> Oh god! Don't give him any ideas. I'm I'm trying to tie in as many different moments from the series as I can. I like it. That's hilariously like. Awkward. Oh, and they and they did do a uh, a moment to where it felt like a TMP reference with the visuals. Was that yes. the only one who felt this? No. Oh no! Where, totally. Very motion picture. Let where where they were warping and they they blur the images with the lines drawn coming off of people. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. I liked that. Yeah. yeah, that looked great. That's great. That look again with everything. This show is beautiful. This... And that's a way to give, Trek, you know, old Trek a nod. That's fan, my fan service that I like. Sure. And yeah. and 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 if I were and if Brian were here, he would point out that while a lot of people wrote 
TMPR for a long time, it's kind of getting revisited and people are, are looking at it again with a more favorable eye than perhaps they did in years mm -hmm. past. And, and a, a big part of that was the uh, like the, the marketing for Star Trek Beyond is they made the poster look like the for that movie look like the poster for for yeah, TMP. And so to, to see them do that again here visually was very nice, very much appreciated. So we should talk about the moment that we skipped over. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Which is More the the, ca the cavalry <laughs> arriving. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. So this is like self fan, self fan service. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of, yeah. <laughs> cuz they're like and uh, like, you know, so cuz if you remember um Mr. Ash Tyler left to be like I got to go take care yeah, of some I got to do a thing. I'll, mm -hmm. Yeah. And what he was going to do was to go talk to Lorel convince her to get a gigantic Klingon ship to bring it to the to the battle uh, along the way meet up with the Kalpians who inexplicably partnered with the uh, Ba'ul <laughs> to learn how and learned how to pilot their ships this race of yes. literal kelp farmers living in grass huts yes <laughs> In, in, and in so two all months, of them in two months they've learned to do this sort in of. two <laughs> months they've learned how to do this and they're, they're extra fighters and and in the span of what a few I mean, a week less a no, no no this is um like i'm talking about like the time it took for ash to go and come oh back i think it's like i think it's probably it's like, like 12 hours it's a couple hours yeah, it's a couple hours <laughs> because the time in, that's happening in the, sh it, the things that are the events happening in the show is it's like close to real time with the, how we're viewing it. Oh, okay. They're not skipping much. They're not going day to day. Yeah, it's so, like a few hours because so they only, had, they show. Yeah, that's they're like true. we only have a few hours until section thirty run run rise. That's so true. he in t in like two hours or let's even say let's even give him a day. Like let's let's I don't think it was I think it was like two hours, but let's give him a whole day. In a day, he again gets all the way to Laurel wherever she is, convinces her to do this, mobilizes his entire fleet of this master ship and the uh d7s uh-huh comes back meets with the kelpians gets all the way back to the battle um and then is able to like basically just come in and 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 just destroy everything so in again in the, in the span of like a day and and they're so far away from everything where they where they are now and it's supposed to be last episode they're setting it up to be like we can't even communicate with people like we're really it's just us here and so, okay, here's the reason this really doesn't work. Because if he had time to do all that, why couldn't he also call Starfleet and be like, uh, hey, yes. we're, we're literally fighting to save all sentient life in the galaxy. Could you maybe send a couple more starships? Mm. Yes. Yeah, because frequently in other episodes, they'll say the, the closest ship is the Armstrong and it's an hour and a half away. We're on our own until they can get here. Right. Right. Which is kind of what they tried to say last episode. Yeah. Oh, okay. control, like, control had knocked out all subspace like communication. So they couldn't go radio for help themselves. You know? Okay. So at least there's that. But yeah, except for Tyler gets away and can tell everyone else like, huh? You know. So Tyler can go tell everyone then. So now it doesn't matter if subspace comms are down because no, Tyler can exactly. go tell everyone. Well, that brings up a thing from that we brought up in the last episode too, which is like apparently Sarek also knew this was happening and sh right. showed up randomly to say hi and bye and then just like never told anyone else to come back. Yeah, before. wasn't it like, please send some more ships so that we don't all die? Correct. Like there's, <laughs> but, yeah. Like, what? But let's, let, let's talk about the other problematic thing. Mm. Let's with, hear it. Let's hear it. With Tyler oh, yes. on the Klingon ship yes. Lorel. Yes, yes. Please do. Because a couple episodes ago, mm -hmm. they made a very big deal of reminding us mm -hmm. that way, way at the beginning of the season, 
you know, they faked his death and the death of his son. Yeah. So he wanted to go down to Boreth and see his son. And Laurel said out loud a couple episodes ago to remind the whole audience, no, you can't do that because you're supposed to be dead. Yes. And if anyone sees you, like my whole reign as as what emperor chancellor. or whatever chancellor my whole like reign as chancellor is going to be called into question no one's going to trust me yep. they're going to find out we lied blah blah blah. so there's no way you can like let anyone know that you're alive cut to this episode tyler on the bridge surrounded by klingons yep. shouting, Klingon shouting orders at them yep yep it's like really all right that's not so a again, problem for is, anyone this is another example of just like with the R two D two droids and the and the you know being able to close the door instead mm-hmm. of Cornell doing it, this is an example of the Discovery writer setting up a precedent and then violating it, their own precedent. They're violating their own canon, yeah, which they just the reinforced like two like episodes. Yeah, like two episodes ago, yeah. they just reinforced this idea. Two episodes and, ago, and I'm inclined to be forgiving if you know they they contradict an episode from 1992, right? That's okay. They they can't possibly accommodate all the continuity in the world, but it would be okay if they paid attention to themselves. Yeah, their own continuity is a problem, right? Exactly. But. Yeah. So as much as you're gonna, even if you're gonna be like, I care about about them adhering to canon very much so. But if you're one of those fans that say, you know what, it's a it's a visual reboot. It's I don't I. It has to be different. I don't care if they violate canon. Fine. They still have to be consistent within their own universe. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. If 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 if, if they want us to care about paying attention to this with the kind of uh, passion that Star Trek fans are well known for, then they can pay a little attention to something they wrote three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah and that's just, I, I mean, I, I, we're, I know we're ragging on this a lot, but it's hard for me not to. And that's just bad writing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, all would, that it would be so easy to just have Tyler be like, oh, yeah, I sent word to her. She's coming behind me. And then, like, he never reveals himself to the other Klingons. Like, he uses his, you know, secret, you know, transmission that he's got to Lorel because, you know, they totally still have, like, some secret booty call transmission line to each other. <laughs> I, I think that's um, what they call it. I think yeah, that's, that's what they, they call, call it. it. Yeah. Uh, and then he just shows up, like, in a shuttle, and he's like, oh, this Klingon fe- fleet is, like, two minutes behind me. And then that's it. Like, then he's not on the bridge of the... Sh- you know what I mean? It would have been so easy for the same result, but then he's not on the bridge of the ship yeah. giving himself away. Like... Come on. That doesn't that doesn't fix the unbelievability aspect. No, of him doing no, not it, at all. But it does but fix it the violation of their own rules. Yeah. Exactly. He, it he also blatant. Yeah. He also they could have had him put on a mask like those Klingons we saw in Star Trek Into Darkness wearing. He could have just had a little mask on so his face was obscured. Sure. Well, in hell, he works for Section Thirty One. Giorgio has a whole holographic like cloak, and she's cloaked herself as a Klingon. We saw it in Episode uh-huh. Three. Oh, yeah, God, be... they keep introducing the stupid yeah. stuff. So, see, they're already trying to ignore that, I think, but whatever. There it is, you know? It's like, hey, he's got access to that tech. He could have thrown that on. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. It's like, whatever. Um, I, I also just think Klingons should not have been in this season at all. Well, right? sure. We'll, but... we'll talk about that more next time, but, sure. that, but their I mean, whole could... inclusion was unnecessary. Right. That just goes back to yeah, you. agreed. Everybody likes Thorell, people like Mary Chifo. They wanted to give her something... Which I appreciate, and like Mary Chief was great, and is a hell of an yeah. ambassador for, for the Trekkies and, and stuff. But still, that's basically just to tie it all off. Okay, this is yeah, the last and, time and we're going to see them. 
And it's again, how many of the decisions that they've made in the season that we've talked about in this episode have been driven by the fact that they like someone in real life? Or sure. They, you know, yep. and it's like, you know, I, I get it. You want Giorgio back. I'm sorry you already killed her off. And yeah. If you want to bring her back, you can need to come up with a clever way to do it. Not the way, not bringing any or, 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 back. Or you like Wilson Cruz. Maybe you shouldn't right, have killed him. Right, you like him. Wilson yeah. Right, you shouldn't have killed him. Too bad. Oh, and then you brought him back to life, and then you made him want to leave, and then you had to fix that. It's like, you need to pick a storyline. And I get it. These writers inherited a mess of stuff that had been set up for them. But the thing is, that's the sandbox you have to work in. Wow. Right. So if you want us to believe any of this world holding together, like your number one job should be make sure it hangs together. And if it doesn't, if it means you can't rehire an actor for next season, like that's unfortunate. But I'm sorry. The story comes first. Mm-hmm. Well, especially because, like, look, if Georgia was popular, they could have figured out a way to do a Section 31 show with her as a totally separate thing. It's fine. Like, figure out some way to use her. They're already going to make her a spinoff. So, okay, so she can't come back for season two, but figure out a way to make it a prime Giorgio in the past. And she had a dalliance with Section 31 for a while. You know what I mean? Like, oh, they're, like a prequel. Yeah, there's there's ways to make this work if they wanted it to. Anyway, it's just annoying. Right. They just... It, yeah. but they, there's you know. also... There's kind of a uh, Dick Tracy villain precedent or Batman villain type of precedent where you can have a, a, a character look like they're dying, but leave it ambiguous. Sure. Where they get swept up somewhere and you're like, oh no, what happened to them? And then they could turn up, right? Right. That's, that's part of the little trap door in, in, in long form narratives that writers can, can make for themselves. But decisively killing her in the first or second episode, okay, you have made a bed, now you have to lie in it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Having it explicitly said that they feasted on her remains kind of ends. Oh, uh, I forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> so that pretty much uh. that pretty much ends that as a possibility. Yeah. All right. I don't think I can stand it any longer. I think we have to talk about the epilogue. Okay. okay let's bring do it. it out. I think you are going to say the exact same thing I want to say, but I want to hear you, hear you say it. Do it. Okay. So, all right. There are two parts to this. Mm -hmm. There is the Discovery-centric part and the Enterprise-centric part. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the, the Discovery thing happens first. Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> like, they get through the wormhole and, like, cut to... San Francisco. Uh, it was cool to see the the Golden Gate Bridge covered in solar panels, the, uh, or whatever wait, those were. Wait, was it pointed at San Francisco or was it pointed at Oakland? No, no, no. Oh, I guess it's across the bridge. Technically, it's pointed at the Marin Headlands, but yes, it's, okay, it's, there yeah, it is. There it is. Yeah, there it's pointed is. at Marin. It wasn't but actually. It's, yeah. But it, what we what our our camera is hovering somewhere over, over San Francisco, like Golden yeah. Gate Park yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> so we're back at headquarters, and. They set up this really weird shot with this spooky it's very admiral. Awkward. Yeah, so awkward. Spooky admiral can't see his face, right? So you're like, oh, is it gonna like be a reveal? Like, who is this? Nope. And sitting across from him, right? Big fat nope. Sitting across from him is a bizarre and jarring series of jump cuts. Yes, while while dialogue still continues over them too. It's weird. And, and again, the rest of the room doesn't jump cut. It's just the person yeah. in the chair. Like they yeah. CGI jump cutted just the individual, yeah. which I, mm -hmm. I thought it was weird. It, it was. was like that, when that you're was like, um, we can play with editing tools. And then since we can do these things now, let's play with it. You know, it's like, it was like, when, it was like when you're like playing a, a, like an RPG game and you're like doing the character selection and you're like, <laughs> you're like toggling through the different races. <laughs> like change the different heads. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really funny. So weird. That's funny. And all these people are are telling this story about discovery blowing up. Right. Nothing about us trying to get to the future. Nothing about blah blah blah. Apparently, no one knew about this except for discovery. Well, Not remember the they were all cut off. So yeah, no. Because they were cut off. Yeah. Sure. So now we have this this group of people, including Pike, who's supposed to be like one of the most upstanding Federation citizens. Like he gave this big you know cheery-eyed speech about what the federation means and whatever sure. justice in the american way yeah yeah blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now here he is lying to an admiral yeah about what happened yeah and spock is doing that too hashtag vulcans don't lie mm-hmm. well but we all know that they can stretch the truth when it's required so true well okay but still the, the, it still fell out of character the, the other thing is if they're showing that Admiral is separately interviewing all three. That's a really good way to sort out mendacity is because all your lies need to be exactly consistent. Right? Yeah, well, and clearly and they, they are. had they, practiced They're so all obviously rehearsed. Yeah, they actually mm-hmm. say yeah. the exact same thing. Like all of them do. Yeah. Yeah. And then Spock has the audacity to suggest a solution that in which sort of in search of a problem, I think. Um which is well this is this is fourth wall breaking this is like we want to pretend we've solved the canon issues how do we do that here spock you say something that solves this so we can move on you know what i mean like yeah they've been promising us that they were going to quote unquote fix canon which this does not at all by the way but whatever they they decide to do it by having spock say here's my suggestion let's pretend none of this ever happened sure and they Armin Tamzarian did, yep. as you pointed out, yep. Jared. And they said, if Spock says, if anyone brings it up, it'll be like penalty of treason. Yeah, which, yeah. which treason, the penalty is usually death, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, so it's just, let's pretend this whole thing never happened. And it's not just the, the AI control. It's not just the spore drive for some reason. I don't even know why that was mentioned. Oh, well, it's easy. They they blame the spore drive as the reason why the discovery exploded. So it's like, oh, this is totally unstable. Like, it's dangerous. Don't let anyone use it ever. But they're not, they're not, but, but they're not allowed to have anyone know that like discovery existed or that the spore drive existed or that the whole ship blew up. And they're not allowed to mention anyone who was on the ship, even though it wasn't a secret ship. And people were, were regularly having correspondences with their friends and family and telling them, hey, I'm working on this discovery ship, blah, blah, blah. And they're also, no one, including Sarek and Amanda and Spock, are able to ever mention Michael's name again. Yeah, which is so dumb. As we've talked about, this is, a, this is, this is not a problem that they need to solve. Anyway, Spock is a private person who's never discussed personal matters right. r- regularly anyway. So whatever. I, I okay. literally can't count the ways in which this does not make sense. Okay, okay. And 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 also, we just saw everybody writing letters of farewell to their loved ones. They did, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. They just sent right. them. Also, Michael's famous. She's the famous uh, mutineer. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, she's the Benedict Arnold of the 23rd century, basically. So everyone knows about Michael. Everyone knows about Discovery. Everyone knows about the people on Discovery. And none of that had anything to do with control. So right. why is that not allowed to be mentioned? None of this solves a problem that nope. they had. It doesn't solve a... In universe, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's entirely out of universe. Like, it's entirely just the writers going, oh, let's try and tie this up somehow and move the hell on. It's so okay. obvious. 
there's an, there's another part of how they're trying to trying to tie stuff up out of universe. Which mm-hmm. I mean, we continue on this, but I just felt compelled to mention the bit where she tells Spock he needs to go find Captain Kirk to be his best friend. Oh yeah, we actually totally skipped over that. Sorry, we actually should have talked about that. That's a really great, really great moment overall, but a little on the nose is yeah. when they had that heart to heart just before she jumps. Yeah. I liked it, it was okay. Un- it was unnecessary, but yeah, it didn't bother me, actually. Oh, it I thought didn't? it was fine. Okay, I just it's, felt it was... It's the pretty thing blatant, I... though. I agree. It's yeah. It I can blatant. see why you wouldn't like it. Yeah. Well, and, and, and for me, so much of of this, this season in particular has been, like, the writers wishing they were working on a different show. And particularly <laughs> the way it ended, where it looks like they're setting up a so sequel this is about... a huge problem. Yeah. It, okay, you know what I'm talking about. Where, where they ahead. have this this beautiful swelling music and these great glamour shots of Pike number one and Spock on the deck of the the Enterprise, no bloody A, no bloody B, no bloody C, um, yep. no bloody D, and and then it goes off happy into into adventure. And I looked at that and thought, wait, hold ho- hold on a second, aren't we supposed to be excited to see Discovery? Yep. And here you're making yep. me just want to see. The interquel between the cage and where no man has gone before. Absolutely. And that's exactly what it did. And I think, I don't think they understood. I really don't think they understood how misleading and like confusing them doing that was because they end on the enterprise, not the discovery. Yeah. Confuses the hell out of a lot of people. Like this Mm -hmm. is, you know, especially people who didn't more casual people who just watched it. Like I Uh I did a rewatch with my wife and she goes, what's I'm confused is season three going to be about the discovery or are we going to be watching the enterprise now? And I said, yeah, I, I totally get why you're confused. Like, no, they're actually, it's actually still going to be the discovery way in the future. But like, of course it's totally confusing that they did that. And I think they were trying to do this. Well, we know everybody loves Pike. We know people want to see the enterprise. We know, you know, we want this little love letter to this era. So we're going to sign off with them. But it's totally it was, yeah we're 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 like we're doing a show about discovery but instead we're going to use it as a vehicle to get spock to where he's supposed to be in our minds right. which is shave clean shaven and wearing his blue science um, uniform yep. science uniform yep. except for i just have to point out that his sideburns were real funky <laughs> yeah I, I had a thought about that i'm wondering if they, he didn't want to point his sideburns so they built up like fake sideburns over his existence oh okay they're and like so it practically really mutton chops I know. <laughs> like, they're pretty thick Although I know we people have brought this up, but like if you go look at some of the season three TOS sideburns, they're getting pretty thick too. So, they're they're I don't a know. big deal. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Anyway, they're pretty. The, yeah. The point is they're they're using this show as a vehicle to set up a different show, which well, is which of course two, is not two, actually what they want. Unnecessary. Two, two different what shows. Doing. It, yeah. If if we keep in mind the Giorgio stuff. Right, and of course that's yeah, not what they're yeah. doing. They, they're not. They have no intention of making like a Pikes Enterprise show. Oh, oh, but I so. mean, like they're trying. They're like setting up TOS. In oh, a way. I you know, see. Like, I see. like the, yeah. the the goal was to just like in um, uh, Star Trek two thousand nine. The goal was to take one movie and get these characters from like kids to where we know that they're supposed to be. You know, mm-hmm. Captain Kirk's got to be the captain. Yeah. You know, Bones is a medical officer. Blah blah blah. Right. And here it's like okay, they're using this vehicle to get. Um, to get Spock, you know, as the science officer aboard the Discovery and have Pike there and have, and, and it's like, why? These aren't the characters that you're telling a story about. They were yep. like, they were like secondary co- guest yeah. stars. Right. They're guests. Exactly. And, and, and for a show that has such a, 
um, deep bench of secondary characters to throw these yeah. on is even more distracting from them. Yes. I, I thought it was very strange that at the end, we don't get to see sort of Discovery arriving. That's all they needed to do to like reiterate that, no, really, we're still going to be following the Discovery next season. Yeah. And they don't even I have like... to give away a lot. They just have to successfully, like, we just have to see them, like, successfully make it to the other side. And then they just kind of look around and be like, wow, we made it. And cut. Yeah. Cut to black. That's it. Where are we? Or yeah. Exactly. That's it. Cut to black. And instead, they, instead, again, they, they show that, they tell that story through the lens of Spock. So they right. have Spock doing some monologue about faith or something. And then he sees the signal. is like, oh, like my sister's okay. I love yep. you. Which, again, means you... It, it it implies we're following their point of view now, which is not true, you know. Right, for season and it three. and it gives like conclusion to the discovery. Yeah, story. It, exactly. It looks like they're being written off completely. That's it. I I, yeah. I have to admit, I like the idea. If th- this would have been hard to probably get into the right place to be able to do this well, but I like the idea of having them jump to the future and then cut to black credits. That's it. That's what I, I like to, that. To leave it. Be- yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's even better than w- what normally would happen is they would show them arriving and they'd be like, where are we? And then cut oh, to black. Sure. But I like even more of like, what happened? Did they make it? Because yeah. this show was supposed to be less conclusive in each episode and more of this ongoing arc, right? So I, I would have liked that. And I like that they did that. But then, yeah, attacking the Enterprise stuff on the end was like a total loop. It was like an epilogue on an epilogue. Yeah. Right? Well, and, and yet more emotion, a very emotionally charged moment in an episode that had too many emotionally charged moments injected to it. Because we have Cornwall sacrificing her life nobly. We have the uh, um, the back and forth with with um, Paul and Hugh, right? We we have everything with with them being catapulted into the future. We have um, like a makeout scene in the middle with with. Uh, Ash and Michael, and mm, it's yeah. it's just too much. It's like one right after the other. So this was yeah. packed. Yeah, and 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 having too much kind of distracted from having any of them land as well as perhaps they could have. I just, I I felt very disappointed in the ending because I thought that they were with all the little problems within this episode. I would have been happy for them to say, I'm, I talked about this last episode, I think, or, or a couple podcasts ago about how excited I was at the idea of them jumping to the future to release themselves from these shackles that were given to them by the previous writing staffs sure. and the showrunners. I love that idea. I love the idea of a creative reset. And I think we've talked about this before, how I, you know, we love the way that Star Trek 2009 gave themselves a clean slate. Mm. But yes. the way is so I was actually even all the these problems that we've discussed these little things you know I I keep thinking you know I know you had these shackles on you I'm trying to give you as much benefit of the doubt and so I'm really excited up until this last moment you know big smile on my face and as soon as we hit this epilogue part where the, the t- you, let's pretend this never happened and then I was so stunned by the time they got to show the Enterprise that I was still reeling from that whole thing it was like you guys were so close. And I know what you wanted to do, but this is the most disrespectful way you could have done it mm-hmm. to just to it disrespects like not only the canon because this doesn't make any sense 
within your own universe or within all their Star Trek universes, there's yeah. no way you can just forget this ever happened. And it also disrespects the fans who really loved this show for the last two seasons and were completely on board with all of the changes that you've made to canon. Well, and they made they made so many strides to actually make Discovery kind of work better within what we knew, you know, like within season two, right? They, they were making it sort of work in the 23rd century. So it, it's weird that they spend a bunch of time to make it work, like anchor it with Pike, you know? And then they're yeah. like, nah, we're, we're good. Let's See ya. pretend you know? the whole thing never yeah. happened. It's just, honestly, I, I'm did, sort of floored. Did, now, now, there is also a precedent for this kind of thing happening in Star Trek. And, and that is the uh, finale episode of Enterprise, where they're supposed to be telling the story about one crew, and it feels like they're more interested in another one. Of course, that's bad precedent, though. People didn't. Like yeah, it's that. like the most hate one of the like the most hated episode in Star Trek history. Sure, yeah, it's on every worst uh, top or bottom ten episodes. That's always on there. Right. So, so this is an example of not learning from your your history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which that's something that's been so consistently weird to me about Discovery is that there are minute details of the franchise that they will drill into. Like when they show Robert April's name on that screen. So people like us who've seen the animated series get a little chuckle. Or they have the uh, security lady who's a Barzan. So we say, oh, we haven't seen her since that episode, The Price. But then there'll be like huge, huge parts of the franchise that are a little more important than something you could might be able to look up quickly on Memory Alpha that they seem to have completely missed. Mm-hmm. It's disappointing. Well, Kayla, if it'll cheer you up, I'm going to force you under penalty of treason to never talk about it again. <laughs> Wait, except for we're going to talk about it at least once more. Dope. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. After that. After yeah, that. No, that's a good plug for our, our episode, our next Shuttlepot episode, which we're going to dissect, just like we did last season. Hmm. Um, this, is, this episode was dedicated to just the finale episode, and sure. then next time we're going to talk about the season as a whole. Yes. Brian will come back. He was on vacation, so he'll be back. And we'll discuss it. So, guys, honestly, I feel like I've left us at a bit of a downer point here, and I totally didn't intend to, but that's sort of how I was feeling. Well, yeah, no, but, we, uh, we, we all felt confused by the ending. Yeah, I mean, I liked I liked the ending in a sense because it was, it was, they did a good job with that, you know, new uh, Discovery Cell, Enterprise Bridge set, and, of course, Oh yeah, the the, the bridge looked great. The bridge looked really good. And we've liked, you know, we've liked Ethan Peck and Anson Mount, and so that's all nice. Like and Rebecca Romijn Stamos. Yeah, or just and Rebecca Romijn. Yeah, and she's oh, thank she, you. Again, thank you. underused again. And like so, yeah, like in a sense, for sure, I want to see all of them again. But that's the problem. So the problem isn't them. I, and I like that they were trying to sort of give a little love letter to like the 23rd century as they move on. But they're just forgetting that that's. They, they just lost sight of like how confusing that is to end that way. Mm-hmm. It's very confusing to just end it that way. Um, but it was all really good. One thing I wanted to point out that was really cool about the way they ended it is they come out of the bridge dome. Uh, they pull out from Pike on the bridge up through the dome, essentially oh, the mirroring way. the yeah. way the cage started in. Yes. Yeah, where you can see through the Oculus. Oh, right, very nice. In. So they very come nice. out. The cage goes in, and they come out from the uh-huh. bridge down. It was very, oh, it was, it was yeah, clever. I didn't notice I that. It. Okay, yep, that's nice that's good thing. fan service. That's very yes, good exactly. Fan that's good right fan there. service. We like that. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so we're sorry if we've left you on a downer, but hopefully that will leave you excited to hear our our um, summary of season two when we do it in a week or two. Yes. Kayla, do you have any parting thoughts? I'm a basket. I'm a basket case of emotion. Wow. Well, if let me give you a little piece of advice that I heard once. May you leave very little to chance, especially when it comes to revenge. Because that's what that's what that's what Giorgio says. That's what Giorgio says, says, right? Yeah. Yeah, I leave very little to chance, especially Especially when it comes comes to revenge. revenge. It's like it's like she's she's got a a day calendar that's like things you need to do. Number point number one, (laughs) revenge. Point number two, more revenge. I know it's just kind of weird. Awesome. Well, she's a Terran. Don't forget. Oh, yeah, that's right. She can be cartoon- as cartoonishly evil yeah, as she wants to. Except for they're trying to get you to forget that until she drops some, like, Terran, you know, stuff like that on you. And you're like, oh, uh-huh. right. All right. Well, that's enough. Thank you, everyone, for staying with us. Uh, what are your thoughts on the episode? Let us know in the comments section on TrekMovie.com. Or tweet at us uh, <laughs> on Twitter, which is also at TrekMovie.com. And yes. we appreciate the input of our fans and... Um, your time and attention for letting us be a part of your daily podcast schedule. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.